A liner off Nagy's glove into center field. The Florida Marlins have won the World Series. Spins, throws, yeah. he got him. A perfect game for Roy Halladay. 27 up and 27 down. Behind the bag, it gets through Buckner. for the Nationals in the first game in their beautiful new ballpark. Left center field, Grissom on the run. The team of the 90s has its world championship. Hello everyone and welcome to You Gotta Believe, the By The Men NL East podcast. We are here, this is Thursday, the week before the new season starts. We are seven days away from opening day as we record this. And uh, I am Jody Jameson. I support the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm Thomas Frost. I support the New York Mets. And uh, we are here to do part two of our NL East preview. Last week, we talked about the bottom three in the division from 2018, which was the Marlins, Thomas's Mets and my Phillies. Today, we're going to talk about the Braves and the Nationals. We're going to do some predictions as well. But uh, before we get into it, we're going to talk a little bit around MLB. We're not going to go too in-depth, but we're going to talk about a couple of stories which does in some ways uh, affect the NL East. So we're going to start off with free agency and the fact that it's broken because we are currently a week from the season starting as we record this. We have uh, Craig Kimbrell. We have Dallas Keuchel still on, um, still unsigned. Even if they do get signed today or tomorrow or whatever, there's no way they're going to be ready for opening day. There's obviously a few other names out there unsigned. Uh, there's been lots of rumours as well that Keuchel and Kimbrell are likely to land in the NL East. But uh, Thomas, how have we got to this situation where we've got a recent Cy Young winner and one of the best closers in baseball hitting free agency and still being on the market with a week to go? I really have absolutely no idea. I mean, um, I'll, I'll work out um, Brexit before I work out that. Um, oh, Christ. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I wish I hadn't said that now. Uh, but <laughs> <It's all good. laughs> I, I was scrambling midair and I just went for the worst thing I could say. Uh, well, I, I, we are recording this at quarter past seven. It's, it's just gone quarter past seven on Thursday. I've just watched fucking Scotland play Kazakhstan. That might be worse than Brexit. Yeah, okay, that's fair <laughs> um, But yeah, it, it's it's just ridiculous, really. I mean, I don't, I don't generally don't understand it. Um, uh, I mean, it's not like... I, I, I doubt Keiko... Maybe I'm wrong, but he doesn't come across as sort of guy unlike Kimbrell, who's going to be after ridiculous money. He doesn't really. I mean, he obviously wants to be paid. Everyone does, but I don't. I mean, I mean, I remember early on in the in the off season, Kimbrell let it be known that he was after five years, I think, which was at his age. And yeah, he was pretty good for the Boston Red Sox last season, but um, he was certainly not the 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 pitcher he was when we had him in our division. Um, that's for sure. I mean, I'm still having nightmares about him, um, but. So yeah, I can understand it. Maybe maybe Kimbrel still being like that. Maybe he's still being stubborn and trying to you know dig his nail, nails in about that. But Keiko, I just don't get because he can't be short of offers. I mean, that, the more the longer this goes on, the more I think he's going back to Houston. To be honest. Yeah, it's a really, really, really strange one. Um, obviously, like Keiko's been linked with the Phillies. He's been linked with the Braves. He's been linked with the Nationals. Um, I think um, Kimbrel has been linked with potentially all three as well obviously uh, Kimball was at the Braves for a long time but 
like it's it's just baffling because obviously like the Phillies had that situation last year with Arietta where they signed him so late that he wasn't ready for opening day, and I think he I think he made his debut like a week and a half into the season. But even then, I think he was signed at the start of March, so um, that doesn't really excuse that. But yeah, I just there's there's a there's a fundamental disconnect with um, what's going on, what guys are wanting, and what teams are willing to pay them, and. We're now getting into a situation where I think we we need to really talk about potentially overhauling how the the monetary situation works in baseball because we now have guys like guys like Keichel and guys like Kimbrell sitting out unsigned, and obviously you've got these guys like you know like like good players but not great players getting like close to if not twenty million per. And then obviously you've got the situation. I can't remember who the player was in. Um, in fact, no, it was Blake Snell, wasn't it, in Tampa Bay, who got like a twenty grand increase and publicly publicly moaned about it because he wasn't arbitration eligible. Although by the sounds of it today, he signed a long extension, so um, he's got to be quite happy about that. But the fact that we now have this massive gap that literally for the first three years you can pay essentially minimum to a guy. And then you compare it to some guys who are like 30, 31, who are coming in to maybe that sixth in the lineup or be your third or fourth starter, getting 18 million per. There's definitely a massive disconnect for that. And also, we're we're now in the situation where the the teams are so scared off by the long-term deal that we saw Bryce Harper and Manny Machado unsigned for so long um, that, you know, these guys are wanting the 10-year deals and the teams aren't really willing to give it to them. They're certainly wanting the deals that's taken them into and past their mid-30s. And the teams often are just not willing to budge. Now, um, I think there's a lot of fan bases all across baseball that if you offered them Keiko on a three, say it was a three-year 60 million deal, they'd be delighted. Kimbrell, if you said three years and say 45 million, a lot of teams would be delighted as well. But... Um, the teams, on the other hand, are being so frugal. And, like, I, I mean, we are both analytically minded. Uh, but I feel like, in some ways, there are some situations where analytics is kind of ruining baseball a little bit. Um, and I think analytics has been one of the greatest breakthroughs in the sport. But I also think it's kind of to the detriment of free agency. And when you look at the other sports like NFL, NFL's just done its free agency and pretty much everything was done in the first three days. It's the same in basketball. It's probably the same in hockey, although I don't pay that much attention, I won't lie. Uh, but baseball, it just drags on and on and on. It's normally, what is it, like the, the first week, a week after the World Series wraps up, you can start filing free for free agency. So you're looking at, say, say, say arbitrarily it's the 10th of November. And then it took till like the middle of February for uh, Machado to sign or even closer to the end. And then I think it was the 28th of February when Harper signed. And it's ludicrous that guys are hitting hitting the market and they're staying out there for so long. It's a, it's a stupid situation. And it probably takes us on to our next talking point about a guy who was recently extended. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't get it. And I don't know. I, I don't think I'm the only one who doesn't get it. No, I I just don't understand it either. I mean, I guess I, I mean it, the the, heart, the whole Harper thing proved, and as you touched upon it last week, was that several aspects of that deal, no one, it, I don't remember it being reported anywhere in the press. So we, no one really knows anything. So it, our guesses are as good as anyone's as to why. Um, um, in my thoughts on Kimbrel are just that they're guesses, really, as much as anything. So I have no idea. Keichel, 
I've got less than no clue as to why he's not. I mean, I remember someone recently um, broached the idea of maybe giving him a like a I don't know, like a, even something cheekily now, like a one-year deal of say thirty million, and um, or something like that, or something like that, twenty-five, thirty million, or something like that for one year, and then you. It, I don't know, you, you flip them if it's not going well or something like that. And I, I can't remember exactly what we said, but that was... But I said, I think the longer it goes on, the less years they're going to get. I wouldn't be surprised if... I'll be surprised if Keichel's not signed within the next week. I won't be surprised if Kimbrell isn't. I think he's more likely to dig his heels, I'd say. Potentially, yeah. And But it's, it, it is going to be really, really embarrassing for baseball if we get to the situation where these guys aren't signed on opening day because it's going to take so long to get them ready. I just I just find it ludicrous. But uh, on to a guy who was extended, who won't be hitting free agency anytime soon. Um, he's partly to talk about, partly worth talking about, A, because the, the Phillies had been heavily linked as making a play for him when he was due to hit free agency, and B, because it has completely trounced uh, Bryce Harper's deal. Bryce Harper, obviously had signed the, the highest monetary value in uh, baseball history. That lasted about three weeks as Mike Trout uh, signed a 12-year, $420 million extension, beating Harper's dollars by $90 million with a, a year less. Now, granted, obviously, if we compare the deals, uh, Trout is two years older, so um, he, will, he will hit free agency a year older than Harper does. But... I was quite surprised that this happened. And again, following on from our sort of free agency discussion, is this maybe a situation where Trout has just went, you know what, I'm happy. Um, I would maybe like to play for Philadelphia, but I really don't want to have to go through the free agency process. So let's just get it done and stay where I'm settled. Do you think that's possible? Or do you think it's just one of those situations where the Angels have went, screw it, let's offer him a King's Ransom and he's taken it? Um, I'd, I'd subscribe to the latter a little, but I personally was never convinced he was I always thought Harper would hit free agency I was never convinced that Trout would I don't know why but I always got the opinion that oh not that I say he's not ambitious um but I I kind of like got the feeling that he was quite happy in LA and um so I kind of was expecting him to to be there for the rest of his career I think he likes the idea of being no, the franchise guy there, Derek Jeter, Derek Man, uh, Mickey Mantle, that sort of side. Uh, you know, just being a, like a once-in-generation player for one team. I always got the impression that is where he was uh, going to go, actually. Uh, but, I mean, it shows how ridiculously talented this guy is. And we've actually sort of spoke about him in the past. But he's, well, one bit he's arguing... You could argue he's actually been underpaid, which seems ridiculous at what works out in our money is £500,000 a week. Um, but he is marketed all terribly by this sport. And, you know, he, he gets called boring and that. And he basically gets called boring because he's not a twat. Yeah. You know, and he's, um, you know, he's, he turns up every day, does his job, signs a load of autographs. Um, he's doesn't get into any trouble off the field. He's, he does everything that he should, doesn't get into the papers for the wrong reasons. He's basically, if you're a, like an American dad and you've got a young young son um, who wants to play professional baseball or, or a daughter who wants to play softball, he says, you, are, you say, look at my trout, base yourself on him. 
as a person. Um, you know, because he's such a perfect role model. Uh, but and people complain that he's like not famous enough for everything. I mean, ESPN did a top 100 most well-known base uh, sportsman in the world, and there was one baseball player in it, and that was Bryce Harper. You know, so I think there is definitely marketing problem with um, with Trout. I just get up, to go back to your original point. I I repeat myself. I don't think that he was ever going to. I think he always wanted to stay in in LA. That's, but he, I might be talking rubbish, and he might just, um, uh, I, you know, it, just losing myself here. Sorry. Uh, I again, I just think he always was going to stay, and I think he, he I think I genuinely think he loves it over there. Yeah, like I, I mean, I kind of felt that like he was going to end up either with the Angels or. Um, probably in Philadelphia, just he's like such a big Philadelphia sports fan that, that it was kind of talked about. And it was, I mean, Bryce Harper even alluded to it when he uh, did his introductory press conference. <laughs> and I mean, the Angels were getting pissed off with Bryce Harper essentially tapping him up, which obviously the clubs can't do, but uh, uh, players can say whatever the hell they want. But um, like, I think that like the, what you say about him being underpaid is probably true because when you get that kind of money, it sounds ridiculous, but kind of what I was talking about before, when you get, when these guys who are giving you, you know, something, but not very much are getting 18 mil. When you, when you pay double that for the best player in baseball, then it's worth it. The only real question about Trout will be, when does he start declining? And that will really decide whether he's worth it or not. If you get six or seven really good years at a Mike Trout, then it's worth it. If he starts to decline very early in his 30s, then you have a problem. But like to me, this deal is 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 good for the Angels. If you could, like to me, if you have the best player in baseball, you wrap them up at any cost. And I mean, it obviously gives them the flexibility to potentially trade them down the line if need be. But overall, I just thought it made so much sense for them to get it done that there was a part of me that always felt like they would get it done. And now that it's done, I guess that you know. Um, Phillies fans can stop talking about the potential dream team down the line, which, to be honest, obviously I'd have loved to have happened, but it would have got very tiring over the next couple of years, especially because we've been talking about Bryce Harper for so long. As glad as I am that he's in red pinstripes, fuck me, it was a long process. So I'm glad we won't spend the next two years talking about Mike Trout in that way. But uh, yeah, um, so Mike Trout has well and truly set the market. Uh, I didn't feel like Machado or Harper set the market this offseason. I felt like Stanton did it more, to be honest, a year or two ago. But uh, the market has been reset by Mike Trout's extension. And good for him because he seems like a great guy. And he's genuinely one of the most enjoyable baseball players I've ever watched. So, um, yeah, happy to see Mike Trout get his extension. So good luck to him. Just unfortunate for us UK-based baseball fans that the majority of his games start at three in the morning, so we don't get to watch him too often unless we're unless we're suffering from insomnia. But uh, what we will be watching, obviously, this season is the National League East. Like I said, we talked about the Marlins, the Mets, and the Phillies last year. Uh, last week, sorry. Uh, this time we're going to be talking about the Nationals and then we'll finish off with their reigning division champions, the Braves. So obviously the Nationals, I felt in terms of their 25-man roster, were the best team in the division last season. I think everybody picked them to win the division, but it never really worked out for them last year. A very disappointing season for them. 
I think they were looking at 2018 being not the last part of their window, obviously, but they were always worried they were going to lose Bryce Harper. They were worried they were going to lose Strasbourg as well, but Strasbourg obviously signed the extension. Now, I look at that team and I think obviously they've lost a massive part of their lineup, but I still feel on paper that is a really, really good team. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, they've added some. Uh, some some good pitching uh, depth as well. I mean, the, the, as we touched upon last week, they picked up uh, Cal Cal Barraclough, um from the Marlins, um, and and uh, Trevor Rosenthal as well. I, I and he'll be the closer. That's a great um, great experience for their bullpen as well. And um, and picked up you know a couple of solid a few solid uh, position players as well. Matt Adams, Brian Dozier. And some decent help behind the plate in Kurt Suzuki and Jan Gomes. So, um, but and but obviously their biggest part of the off season was getting Patrick Corbin, um, 140 million dollars six years, and that is um, I think that's a great deal. Um, I'm maybe I'm a bit twitchy about giving pitchers anything more than five years, but um, but. Uh, Nationals saw their chance and they took it, so I guess you've got to say fair play to them. And that rotation, that one to three, is quite scary, really. Uh, shows of Strasbourg and Corbin, so replacing uh, Gio Gonzalez with Patrick Corbin's actually quite quite well played, actually. To be fair, yeah, I think I, th- I think the way Gonzalez has gone the last year or so, that's a massive upgrade to replace him with Patrick Corbin. And like you say, I, I really like the dollar amount. Uh, I, I I do have the trepidation as well that you talked about giving pitchers long-term deals. But the thing is, with a guy like Patrick Corbin, if you get four years out of that uh, before something bad happens, you're quite happy. Um, and, I mean, Corbin's young enough that um, unless something c- catastrophic happens, you're going to get good years out of him. And, yeah, I was disappointed from uh, my selfish point of view to see him land in the division uh, and especially land on the Nationals as well, who already had a pretty formidable rotation. So, um, yeah, like I still think that overall the Mets have the best rotation in the league, but uh, I think Washington are probably second. And the thing is about that, I think that the Mets have the best rotation. I think the Phillies have the best lineup, but I probably put the Nationals in second place in both, potentially third in lineup, depending, but... Like I just think overall they're just a well balanced team with a good rotation, good lineup, a good bullpen. And like as disappointing as last season was in Washington, I don't think that is really uh, an indication of what's gonna happen this season. I think that they will bounce back. I expect them to obviously miss Harper in the lineup, but they had so much in that lineup that they should be all right. And obviously the emergence of Juan Soto as well is probably going to alleviate all that. So um, I think that the Nationals are set up for a really, really good season. And I think it's going to be... I think there's going to be a lot of people who think the Nationals' window is closed after how disappointing they were last season and then losing their most famous player. But if you actually look at what they've got on that team, that's a really, really good side. Yeah, I like the sort of balance that they've got, really. and Because they've got, obviously, a lot of experience there, um... Uh, um, but they've also got a lot of youth as well. I mean, I know Zimmerman's at the end of his career, but you've got you know, young talent in Trey Turner, Victor Robles, Juan Soto, Michael A. Taylor, um, and you know some, and even like in the pitching stuff, Cody Glover. I know he's not quite come on as much um, 
as but he said he, he's still very very young and he's definitely got a lot of upside and bullpen wise I think there's looks pretty deep to be honest because obviously we're not even talked about Alexson or Doolittle um, yeah. as well so and they picked up um, some more experience with Annabelle Sanchez so it, it and uh, I'm not expecting much from him but you know you never know he could could end up being a useful uh, backup piece but and obviously uh, Anthony Rondon, Brian Dozier, Howie Kendrick, um, Adam Eaton. Uh, you know, you t- I mean, yeah, you take away Harper. That's a huge thing to take away. But I kind of like what they've added. Um, and I still think they've still got the basis of a pretty good lineup. But I probably would agree that they've got... Um, I'd still say the Mets got a marginally better lineup 1-8. to eight. Uh, but I don't think there's a lot in it. I agree that the Phillies have got by far the best uh, one to eight. But um, I like how the Nationals are shaping up personally. Yeah, I really, I really like it as well. And the thing is, as well, when you look at the, just the depth they've got, if they suffer a couple of injuries in their lineup, they've got guys like, I mean, potentially like um, you got Matt Adams, you got Michael A. Taylor that you mentioned, guys that probably aren't going to start regularly, but are going to come off the bench and give you something. And they'll be able to slot in for maybe 15, 20, 25, 30 starts a season and really give you something. Um, so I, like, I just like the way the Nationals are set up. And like, obviously, like they only finished, I think, what, two games above 500 last year. But yeah, I, I, I expect them to be so much better this season. And... They are, again, a team with enough flexibility in their payroll that if they get injuries and they're in the hunt, or even if they don't get injuries, they can still go out and make a big move So um, round about the deadline. So I I really like what Washington have done this offseason, which you wouldn't expect to say when they've lost somebody so important, but that, that rotation shares a Corbin Strasburg at the top. The lineup, guys like Eaton, Turner, Rendon, Soto, Zimmerman, Victor Robles, that's a, that's a really, really good team. And I'll be honest, I, I would probably make them the favourites for the division. Yeah, I'm, I've got them winning the division this year, I've got to admit, as painful as that is to say. But um, uh, but yeah, I think bias, bias on the side, I I can't see past them, really. So as, as I said last week, I think the Phillies is a little too early, um, personally. Um, I can't see them getting to the playoffs without... I'm still expecting you to, to be over 500, but I don't expect you to get to the postseason without making a couple of moves, um, pitching-wise, anyway. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, because, as I said, like, I don't know who's going to be available, but it's... I, I think the, the Mets and the Nationals have got... and the Braves, to a certain degree, have got more complete all-round teams than the the Phillies, and you need a, um, it's all well and good having a great offense, but if you've got no pitching, then it, it, it then you've got little chance of getting to the, the off season, really. I mean, the Mets have been doing that for years, they've had a great, but the opposite way, they've had a great pitching, but no offense, and you know, so yeah, I must admit, I yeah, do like how the Nationals are shaping others, uh, but as we've as I've already said, great uh, mix of youth and um. Uh, and experience and it's again just to be honest it, I think it's great uh, for for a competitive division really that we've got um, four really good teams yeah definitely and yeah mm. like we both we both like the Nationals to win the division which is 
probably a spoiler for our predictions in a bit but uh we, we I, I like i like what they've done this off season and i think they have they have uh definitely done a really really good job in solidifying that roster uh the braves obviously won the division last year 90 wins which kind of came from nowhere to be honest i think a lot of people were expecting the braves to be okay but probably finish about 500 but to win as many games as they did I just thought it was really, really impressive. They were they were good to watch. And yeah, just overall, just a very, very good team. This year, I look at the Braves and I have some questions. Um, now, obviously, they got some... Um, they, they, they maybe got some overachievements from some guys last year. Uh, obviously, they, they, have, they still have Freddie Freeman, who is as consistent a hitter as you get at first base. They have Ronald Acuna, who's coming in for his sophomore season, who was really exciting last year. Uh, they've got Ozzy Albies at second base, who plays great defense and can hit enough that he, he's he's a very 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 good second baseman. Uh, their rotation, though, after Fontanevics, I kind of have some questions to be honest. I look at I look at the potential rotation of like Fontanevics, whose name I always screw up, Julio Tehran, Sean Newcomb, Kevin Gossman, and I don't know maybe Tucson, someone like that. I really, really don't like that rotation, to be honest. Um, I like, I like the, I like, I like the lineup to a certain extent. Obviously, they've added um, Josh Donaldson, who has had a bit of a turbulent time in Toronto. But um, I have some major questions about the Braves, and I'm surprised about that, considering how good they were last year. Is it potential that last year was an aberration, or uh, am I being too harsh? Um. I think somewhere in between. I I quite I don't mind the rotation. It's maybe not quite as good as winning the division against. I don't expect them to to do much in that sense. I but yeah, I know what you mean. Um, it's a lot of what the word is. Not journeyman. That's not the word. But just a lot of very solid. Maybe they sort of a bunch of number two, number three sort of guys in that rotation. I, but yeah, I like I like Fulton Avich. I don't mind Sean Newcomb. Um, I think on his day, Newcomb days that I've seen him, I must I know his statistics from last season weren't brilliant, but on on his day when I've seen him, he can be quite nasty. But um, and Tehran's always brilliant against the Mets. But um, he's um, yeah, I I don't mind it really. But again, maybe I was surprised that they didn't go out and trade for someone or like a Sonny Gray or someone like that and it was um, yeah they definitely got one or two things missing but I in general I don't mind their rotation certainly in comparison to what you think of them but it's but yeah certainly offensively I think they more than make up for it I mean that infield Albies, Donaldson, Freeman, Swanson that's quite scary actually <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, and you know, solid out outfield. Um, um, obviously, in Nick Markakis. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if he can carry on where he left off last season. And Ronald Acuna, expecting big things of him. But I still imagine them to be in the wild card race. I'll, I'd imagine. But yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, we've we we had a bit of a a bit of an. A, a bit of a dodgy year last year for Josh Donaldson. He had been really good for the Blue Jays, but some some injury problems last year, and I think he only played about fifty games. He's he's in he's in he's in his age thirty three season now. So you wonder if there's going to be a bounce back, or if last year was just 
if last year was just um, unfortunate and he's going to come back and be the same hitter he was before, obviously the Braves will be hoping for that. Um, Nick Markakis, I always find as like a sort of interesting one. He's the type of guy who um, he's always play, he's always done pretty well despite the fact that he's, you know, Markakis is one of the most unheralded guys in baseball. But even like last season, um, I mean, he's been at the Braves now for a few seasons, and last season he had such a good year. And if they can get anything like that out of him again this year, then I think their lineup is really, really good. But um, I do have some question marks as well about their lineup. I think that, like, if you if you look at them and you look at what they've got in that lineup, they've got Freddie Freeman, who I love. They've got Josh Donaldson, who if he gets back to normal, will be really, really good. After that, they have a bunch of guys who I worry about in terms of their ability to consistently hit and consistently get on base. Um, like for me, like Swanson, um, it's not Swanson and NC, Ender Enciarte for me are guys who I I rate, but I one of them is going to end up leading off probably, and that's what worries me a little bit. Um, Unless you unless you end up chucking Aussie Albies at the top, but we'll see what happens. But I'm interested in the Braves this season. I thought they were quite hard to predict last year, um, and I still feel like they're the same way this year. I think that they have the pieces that they can do exactly the same thing as last year. But I think they also have enough guys last year. They had enough guys last year who had such good years that were kind of unexpected that maybe they come back to earth with a bump. But um, I think the Braves are the most interesting team in the division this year, depending on um, how their rotation fares, how the uh, complementary pieces of their lineup fare. And I, I'm just really, really finding the Braves hard to nail down. I, I feel like I've got a good feel for all uh, the other four teams in the division. The Braves, I find really, really hard to predict, though. Yeah, I um, I quite agree. I think it's, in general, quite an easy <laughs> It's both easy and hard to kind of predict this season, if you know what I mean. I mean, we all think all four teams are going to be very competitive. Um, but I said, I think they've got a few decent guys in their rotation that will keep them. I think they probably need to make a move mid-season, but Fulton Avich, Tehran, uh, Newcomb, I quite like, I don't mind that so much. But I'm just looking at Sean Newcomb from last season. Um because uh, obviously we've already said that we're very analytical-minded. Um, I was just looking at his ERA last season was south of four, uh, 3.9, but his fifth was uh, field-independent pitching, one 4.14. I'm so used to seeing the fit being below yeah. ERA for the best pitchers, so that was uh, quite interesting. It's weird, isn't it? But Yeah, yeah I, I, like the Braves I find really, really hard to nail down, but um, I guess we'll see over time uh, what happens with them. Uh, so obviously opening day is next uh, Thursday. We are really, really looking forward to it this season, uh, especially just with this division looking really set up to be really, really competitive. Um, I suppose what we should do for predictions is we should go, we should start at the bottom and work our way up. I think we've already given away fifth and first. Uh, I, we should give a win total as well for every team and see how close we are. And then we'll do some bold predictions for the division as well. It can be anything. It can be who you think is going to win the MVP. It could be who you think is going to win the Cy Young. It could be somebody random is going to hit under the Mendoza line, whatever you fancy. But um, so I guess we'll both we'll start with fifth place. We both think it'll be Miami. Yeah. Uh, how many wins have you got Miami down for? Uh, 61. 
<laughs> I, I've got exactly the same. I've got 61 and 101 for the Marlins. So, yeah, I'm taking them to win 61. I'm taking them to go a wee bit backwards this season, partly because of the fact that the division is just better. So I think more teams will just beat up on them. I don't think they're I don't think they're worse than last season, but I think they'll have less wins. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just I think my reasoning um, for it is that the other four teams are just better than they were last season. Yeah. Uh, fourth place, what have you got? Oh, sorry, I'm gonna go for the Phillies. <laughs> well, I I should probably apologise as well because I've got the Mets. <laughs> uh, yeah i'll go but i said i i because i think it's like i can't really do this without sort of like giving out away my bold prediction which is to do with how many wins each of the top four teams have all right just go with, say, go go away then because i've got i've got the mets uh finishing fourth 81 and 81 i'm gonna my okay my bold prediction was at the top there would there'll be less than 10 uh games between the top four Okay. And all of them will have um, better than five hundred. Better than five hundred. Okay. So I'm going to say the Phillies are going to be eighty-three and seventy-nine. Okay. Yeah, I've got I've got the Mets finishing five hundred just because I think they're a good team, but I think something bad will happen because it's the Mets. <laughs> you know, what I mean, someone, 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 or multiple people really important will get injured and just derail the season because. Until the Mets prove that they can keep everyone healthy, I just expect it to go wrong. Yeah. But um, if they keep everyone healthy, like, like if you told me the Mets were going to have a healthy season, I could make the argument for them winning the division. So, uh, yeah. So third place, uh, I've got the Atlanta Braves. I've got them down as 84 and 78. What about yourself? Uh, yeah, I'll say the Braves, but I think they'll win 85. 85 okay so we're agreed on that so we've gone we i think we've both gone biased with uh who's going to come second uh, <laughs> i've got the phillies down at 88 and oh christ i can't work it out in my head what would it be 88 and 74 yeah yeah i've I'll got eight, say, 88 and 74 for the phils yeah i'll say the same amount of wins for the mets okay and uh, we both have the Nationals winning. I have them at 92 wins, 92 and 68 for the Nationals. And I think they they end up winning the division a bit more comfortably than we expected. Four games isn't exactly a marathon. It isn't exactly running away with the division. But I think there's a lot of hope that this division will go down to the final Sunday. And I think the Nationals are good enough that they'll probably win it by four games. Uh, yeah, I'll say the, the Nationals, but I'll say they'll win 91. 91 okay so we'll keep we, we will keep an eye on that and we'll come back probably at the end of the season and see how stupid we are so um yeah bold predictions obviously you've given one away that you think that um the the bold prediction will be that um all four at uh, the top four will all have better than 500 uh, um records and will be within 10 games of each other from yeah. first four that's quite that's quite a bold one i'll get i'll give you one that i think is kind of bold at the moment Um, is that I think that by the time we get to the end of the season, one of the teams in the National League East will get to the end of the season and their best pitcher in 2019 will be Dallas Keuchel. Oh. oh That is is my prediction, which is hard to do because every team has a standout pitcher. But I think someone will end up signing... I think someone in the division will sign Keuchel and by the time they get him settled in the rotation, he will have a great season. 
Yeah. And that that's that's my bold prediction that Keiko will sign in the division. If I if I was being less bold and he was the best pitcher, I'd probably say the Braves. But um, just because I don't think the Braves have an out and out ace like the other teams do. But um, yeah, I think he'll sign in the division, and by the end of the season, it would it will be kind of accepted that he's the best pitcher for that team in the division. Yeah, um, that won't be that wouldn't surprise me. I think he's a good fit to the Braves actually. To be fair. Yeah. So I, 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 if I was predicting, I would say he'll sign with the Braves and he'll end up being the race. But um, I think it's bolder if he ends up in Washington or in Philadelphia and does it. But uh, I still, I just have this feeling that he's going to sign in the division and have a really good season. But I, there is that obvious caveat: the fact that he's not, he's not playing at the moment and he's not signed at the moment, and he's going to have to have an extended spring wherever he ends up. So. It's it's bold, but we'll see we'll see how stupid I am when he signs when he signs for the Astros tomorrow. I'll feel like an idiot. <laughs> so yeah, we'll he's, he's, he's going to sign Collins, and you're going to be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> so anything else bold for the division? Um, I'm going to go for, and I'm really going to be stupid now. I'm going to say that Michael Conforto is uh-huh. going to be in in the final five of the. NL MVP. You know something? I was going to say that he was going to finish top 10. That was going to be my second bold prediction, that Conforto was actually going to stay healthy and finish top 10 in MVP voting. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've always really liked Conforto. Um, I think he's such a good hitter, but he's just had so much trouble with injury that it's really, yeah. really set him back. So, um, if they can just keep him healthy and he gets through... He's not going to play 162 games, but if he can play 150, he could yep. be one. Of, he could be one of the best hitters in baseball. I've just always been a big fan, and yeah, I, I just, I just really rate him. I think he's, I think he's a guy that um, can make the Mets lineup so dynamic that um, I, I, I always have massive hope for Michael Conforto. But I mean, last year he played the full season and he was good, but he wasn't great. Uh, before well, before that though, it's always just been injuries and injuries and injuries and injuries. Well, well, I mean, that's the thing with with Conforto. He was actually he was rubbish. To, I think he got something like I can't remember offhand. Maybe you can bring it up, but um, Conforto I think got something like thirty home runs last season. But I'm I think I'm right in saying that he got about two thirds of them after. The All Star break or something that he really went on the tear after the All Star break. He, he, he finished. Great Sorry, he, fi- he finished on twenty eight, but um, yeah, he I'll, I'll um, see those were after the All Star break. I'll put my, I'll put my balls on the line there, and I'll say he got about twenty, about two, certainly two thirds of them. Like um, after the All Star break, he was brilliant after that. That's why we. And it was a surprise that after that why we were so good after the All Star break because uh, um, he was obviously he is one of the players we're looking to build around. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If if he can pull his 2017 season and stretch it out over a full season, then he he will be in the running. I don't think yeah. he'll win. I don't think he'll win the MVP by any stretch of the imagination. But I I think if he plays the full season and plays like he did two seasons ago, he'll 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 be in the conversation and he'll finish. I said top ten. You said top five. Top five. I said yeah. Quite like I quite like it. Obviously, like what was it? Christian Yelich last year was sensational. And I think there's always there's always somebody that just ends up having a sensational season. I mean, it could it could be Conforto. You never know, but. 
Um, it's it, it's it's definitely going to be exciting. I'm really, really looking forward to the season finally starting. Uh, I'm especially looking forward to uh, the Phillies' second series where they go into Washington for two days. That could be fun. But, yeah, um, I've got to watch. <laughs> that's going to that's gonna be a lot of fun. But yeah, um, opening day next Thursday, um, big slate of games. Um, what, what's your kind of opening day tradition? Because since opening day has been a Thursday, I'm always kind of stuck at work. Last year, I watched opening day on my phone, which was a pain in the arse. Uh, it was a bigger pain in the arse that the Phillies were winning comfortably and then blew it with a bullpen again, uh, in Atlanta. So that was a, that was a nuisance. But um, yeah, o- overall, I'm just really excited to, to get baseball started again. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember, I don't really have traditions per se, but I still remember last season um, I was I was watching the Mets on my laptop and I was watching the game that was on BT Sports, so I uh, I was having a final time, I was. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what, I mean, I think I'll be on my way home when it starts. I, I don't, I think it starts about 10 past 5 our time, I think. Certainly, I'm pretty sure the Mets game starts about that time, and um, so I'll probably miss um, 50 minutes worth. So nowadays, that's probably about two innings. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, <clears throat> but it's it's the Grom against, I assume Scherzer. So actually, we could be into the fourth inning by then. Um, but it's yeah, obviously looking forward to it, and um, yeah, can't wait. Actually, I, can't say, I assume we're playing the Nationals. We usually do on that. But I'm a, I'm, I sound like a shit fan now. but um, I think, <laughs> It's impossible I think, I think to keep got, up with the schedule. Yeah, there's a lot of games. We just check the schedule. I'm pretty sure we've got the Nationals. but um, I know I know the Phillies are hosting the Braves at um, 7 o'clock on Thursday on opening day. Nola's pitching for the Phillies, and I think Julio Tehran's throwing for the Braves. So should be an interesting enough pitching matchup. And I'm just glad the Phillies are at home, to be honest. It seems like... It seems like the Phillies are always on the road to open the season. They were they've been on the road to Cincinnati a couple of times. That I remember there was a few seasons ago they were on the road to Texas, which was just weird playing interleague on the first day. I know the Phillies are playing the Twins um, the next week um, at home, so they're they're quickly in interleague again. But yeah, three three at home at the Braves, two at the Nationals, and then three at home at the Twins um, to open the season. Yeah, we've got the Twins quite early doors as well. So, but I said, you know, six out of uh, our first nine games are against the Nationals. Um, so it's, um, yeah, so DeGrom versus Scherzer opening day, presumably Sendergaard versus Strasbourg and and Wheeler or Mats versus Corbin. So it's a um, um, nice way to start the season, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, uh for any Phillies fans who have been panicking about Bryce Harper's slow start to spring, he has just hit his second home run out of Spectrum Field of the day. So I think I think he's ready. I think he's ready to go. Yeah. So um, considering everybody panic. was pa- everybody everybody was panicking because he was 0 for eight, he he is now um, yeah he is now a little bit better than that. So uh, yeah, Harper with two home runs today, um, his first two of the spring, and yeah. Um, one in the first inning, one in the sixth. So, gotta be happy with that. He's finding his groove. So, um, yeah, it's one of those weird things. I think people get far too hung up on what happens in spring training. But um, yeah, uh, th- those who are panicking on, on on my side can calm the fuck down. 
yeah, definitely. I mean, it's um, not really yeah, sort of paying much attention to spring, really. I don't think. I mean, it was uh, you, you're honing yourself on, I mean, especially with Harper. He's just had a little bit of an injury, and I think you know, it's just just about honing your skills and just getting yourself fit, really. I think. I mean, that's. I mean, going different sports, but I still remember Stoke. Um, uh, going off with the sport, but Stoke, Stoke City lost in a preseason game to a team called Newcastle Town, who are a Newcastle as in Newcastle in the Midlands. <laughs> and on the preseason, that season we got to the FA Cup final. So it, it's, exactly. um, you know, preseason means absolutely nothing. It's about getting fit. Yeah, I can still remember the story of Tony Gwynn, where uh, he was having like an absolutely horrendous spring. And uh, he, he he came up to the plate and he smashed the ball at second base on one hop and got thrown out at first. Just walked back to the dugout and he was like, I'm ready to go. And they're like, you grounded out? He's like, yeah, but my eyes in. And, I th- and the, the legend goes that that was the season where he hit like 393 or whatever it was. And he uh, the, the, the story goes that he realised he was ready to go on a ground out to second base. So, you know, it's not all about results. It's about, you know, just getting yourself ready to go, getting your eye in. Hitting the ball hard, whether you make outs or whether you hit them out the stadium, is largely immaterial. Just get ready to face Major League pitching in time for next Thursday. But uh, we should wrap up just now. Uh, Thomas, always a pleasure. Uh, Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Uh, There's probably no point in doing this next Thursday, obviously, because it will be opening day and we will be distracted. But what we'll do is we'll come back maybe a week into the season, see what's been happening to open up the season. But uh, I've been Jody Jameson. Enjoy opening day next week and we will talk to you again sometime.